friends. Welcome to the Skyline Church podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. You're here, and just so you can like situate yourself, you've arrived this morning amongst a church that's been experiencing uh, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a move of the Holy Spirit, a church whose desire is to see the power of God displayed in our midst. I hope it's already blessed you. I think there's more coming from Jesus. Um, And so what we've been doing is just holding up some stories about what happens when groups of people get together to do this thing, to come to know and experience the power and beauty and glory of Jesus in his manifest presence. So we got an email this week um, from a lady who says, I've never felt that Jesus died for me. I believe he died for the sins of all sinners, but not for me. I've been told my entire life from every person I've met that I'm unworthy. After 60 years of reinforcement of that fact that I'm not enough, I believe it, but I know others are. I want always to hold up those people so God can work through them. I believe that it's the everyday people God used to make miracles. Since coming to Oklahoma in 2003, I've not felt the presence of the Holy Spirit anywhere until I came to Skyline. I feel it when I walk in. I don't like my walls to be unguarded, but God is working towards that here. For the first time since 1989, I can honestly say that I feel the Holy Spirit at work. I'm thankful to everyone for this place. It's the only place that feels safe. That should be the descriptor of the church. It feels the, like the safest place for people who feel unworthy. You need to go to church because there's a worthy one who wants to pour that out on you. Second one, uh, testimony. I love this text. Um, I, lo- I was looking for Corey for prayer, but I couldn't find him. I looked out around at the prayer team and all the guys were already praying with somebody, which is why I came up to you. <laughs> Start with humility, always. I'm like the last guy on the team. Oh, no. Okay. I guess you'll work, which is so great. I love that. Um, You spoke to life. All the things that were in my heart, I was feeling already. I just didn't have the words. You asked the Lord to make me healthier than I've ever been in every single area of my life. And I just wanted to let you know that's exactly what's been happening. My surgery has opened up my throat, airway, nose, and chest. My chronic allergies are gone. My depression and anxiety have lifted. My doctors are still marveling at the healing process. I've lost over 20 pounds. I've worked out 15 out of the last 21 days, able to do more than I've ever done. I've had more patience for my kids, more love and adoration for my wife, zero pull towards my typical selfishness and vices, and a deep, seemingly bottomless desire for more of the Holy Spirit and the revelation of Jesus. That's a good text to receive. Keep those texts coming. The other ones, just leave them in your draft. But keep those ones coming. How's this happen? This has all happened because we radically reoriented our church around beholding the glory of God in the face of Jesus. We made a course correction because we believe that discipleship begins with beholding. That's the name of this series, that discipleship's built on revelation. Because Revelation shows us beauty. This is my drawing. Behold the drawing. (laughs) 
Revelation shows us beauty. Beauty leads to fascination. Fascination grows in love. Love brings delight. Delight grows desire. And desire leads to passion. And then the cycle just keeps going and going and going until you meet him face to face. Martin Luther said this hunger is the best cook. The best people to feed are hungry people because they'll eat. <laughs> they don't sit around going like, I don't know, what do you want today? You'll, you'll have this conversation after church. What do you want to eat? I don't know, this or that or this. So you're drowning in options. But when you're hungry, you're like, give me food. <laughs> hunger is the best cook. You can't disciple someone who isn't fascinated with Jesus. This is what we've learned. 25 years into ministry, I've learned you cannot disciple someone who isn't fascinated with Jesus. So this is all based on beholding, seeing, encountering, experiencing Jesus. Our God desires to be known, not just studied or talked about or considered or drowned in opinions and cliches. He desires to be known face to face. And what happens when somebody comes face to face with Jesus? They don't just get a little bit better. They transform. Listen to 2 Corinthians 3. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed, not tinkered with. God didn't come to tinker with your life. He came to reveal himself to you that you would be shaken to the core and you would begin this transformation into the likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. The stories we heard before aren't uh, self-help or get a little better stories. They're transformation stories. And here's the thing. I think there's a choice between uh, before our generation right now, which is um, one, keep going the direction we could be going, which is to build community around little groups of spiritual care while our culture implodes and the church declines, or build a church that above all things desires to behold the glory of Jesus and watch revival wash over us. I don't know if this is gonna work. Is the, is the gift gonna work? Probably not, but this is one of my favorite pictures um, of what happens in the church when she gets um, apart from this mission. It's the Titanic orchestra that plays on while everyone's diving off the boat for salvation. It's like, hey, let's just sing a little song while the ship sinks. I just, guys, I don't want to sing songs while the ship sinks. I want to grab lifeboats. Like, I, I want to see people rescued and saved, amen? So that's, that's what we want to do. This is the call of Paul, right? First Corinthians 2, he says, I came to you uh, knowing nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you with weakness and fear, with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why? So that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. We want our faith to rest on the power of God, not on the teachings of celebrity pastors, right? Not on people, but on him. Luckily, you've come to a church that doesn't have a celebrity pastor. Amen? I'm the last one people want to pray for them. That's, that's like, it's great. Again, Philippians 3, Paul says this, but whatever is to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Loss, it's garbage. What's more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ, be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is faith in Christ, through faith in Christ, that righteousness that comes from God and by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul wants to know Jesus so much. He's like, I will take everything you have. I'll take your resurrection power, but I'll take the suffering too. Give me all of it if it means I know you. 
if it means we can be friends, if it means I can walk with you. It says, becoming like him in his death, so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Friends, in this generation where everything is falling apart and everything feels shaky, in a generation where the CDC just released studies, says three in five girls in the last year, have uh, teenage girls feel persistent sadness. 60% of teenage girls are feeling not just sad, not just my boyfriend broke up with me, I didn't make the team, somebody's being mean to me. Persistent, debilitating sadness. One in three considered suicide. Man. In that generation, I believe everything we do must be gamed at giving people a face-to-face revelation of the Son of God. And so what I think has happened for many of us is I think we suffer from the condition of over-familiarity. We've been raised in the church, maybe. We've read the Bible. We've done all this stuff, and we just get used to the words we read and don't realize how stunning and profound they actually are. We've become so familiar with the stories of the Bible, the idea of Christianity and with the person of Jesus that we have actually built up resistance in our heart to all the beauty, glory, and majesty that he possesses. And so what we've been doing lately in this Beholding series is just trying to take a sledgehammer to those places and just say, we want to break through all that stuff to a place where we meet Jesus face to face like Isaiah did, like Paul did, like all these people, and then everything begins to change. We believe the words of Jesus are true where he says, if you will lift me up, I will draw all people to me. Your job is not to draw people. Your job is to lift him up. Amen. So, so he's like, hey, I can actually get you out of all that striving and all that pressure, all that stress of thinking you have to be me to the world. Let me be me to the world. And you just focus on seeing me, loving me, worshiping me. So today we're going to do that. I'm just going to lift him up in front of you. Like, I want to actually just put him on display this morning and see what he does. And so I just want to say for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is saying this morning. So would you just close your eyes just for a second? And I know you may be, what have I gotten myself into? I just thought it was coming to church. I just want you to pray this prayer. Jesus, I want to see you. Jesus, I just want to see you. Friends, Jesus is the most beautiful, glorious. Or before I get started and you say like, hey, you didn't quote any scripture in your sermon. Here's all the references. And, and, and these are just the ones I just wanted to show. There's about 50 more. So, so everything is baked in here. So just before I get started, okay, this is all scriptural. I, I just need to go through it. And we don't have time for me to reference every scripture. So you ready? Jesus is the most beautiful most glorious, most interesting, most merciful, most humble, most wonderful, most faithful, most obedient, most loving man who has ever lived. But he isn't just a man. Jesus is God. Jesus is the word of God who is with God from the beginning. Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus is the son of God, his only begotten son given in love to the world by the father. But he isn't just God, a deity. Jesus is Lord. He's Kyrios. He's master. The Greek word, which the Bible translators rendered the name Yahweh, is Lord and master. But Jesus isn't just Lord. He's also Messiah. He's the Mashiach, the Christ, the anointed one. He's the rescued one, rescuer of Israel, the prophesied and hoped for one. Jesus isn't just the rescuer of Israel. He is Israel. He's the true Israel. 
He's the, the greater David, and he's not just linked to them. He's actually the true representative of all mankind. The Bible calls him the son of man. Listen to Daniel in chapter 7. He said, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and a glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. But there's more. Jesus is the bread of life. He's the light of the world. Jesus is the gate for the sheep. He's the good shepherd. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the true, the true vine. And friends, these aren't just facts about Jesus. This is Jesus. It's who he is. It's his identity, and it's unchangeable. But there's more. <laughs> Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the last Adam who brings righteousness and resurrection life in the place of sin and death. He's the image of God, the mediator between God and man. He's the Savior who rescues. He's the faithful witness. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's the ruler of the kings on earth. He's the first and last, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the lamb who was slain. He's the warrior on a white horse coming to judge and save. He is the one who is, who was, and who is to come. Jesus is the Almighty One, the Alpha and Omega, the author and perfecter of faith. He possesses all authority on earth and on heaven, in heaven. He's the bridegroom. He's the chief cornerstone. According to Revelation, he's the faithful and true. He's the amen of the church. He's the head of the church. He's the great high priest. He's the holy servant in Acts 4. He's Emmanuel. God with us, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's our redeemer and our rock. He's the sacrifice for our sins. By him, all things were created, both in the heavens, on the earth. If we were a black church, somebody would be standing up right now. <laughs> Witnessing. Thank you, Perry. <laughs> Amen. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, he's our redeemer and our rock, the sacrifice for our sins. By all him, all things were created, both in heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created in him and through him and for him. He's before all things. All things hold together in him. Jesus is the door in John 10. Anyone who enters by him will be saved. He's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He's the source of all that is good for us. Salvation, healing, deliverance, restoration, reconciliation, et al. <laughs> Everything. Jesus is peace. Jesus is love. Jesus is humble. Jesus is kind. Jesus is beautiful. He's glorious and majestic. Jesus is compassionate and merciful. He's patient, long-suffering, enduring. He's faithful. He's honest and true. Jesus is everything you want and need, and he's better than everything else you want and need. He's forgiving. He loves to bless people. Jesus confronts your sin, not because he's a killjoy, but because he wants to kill the thing that's killing you. That's why he confronts you in your sin. He wants to put to death the thing that is bringing death in you. Jesus desires to be near you and to love you, to know you. Jesus is 1 Corinthians 13. All other things will fade, but he remains.
Jesus washes your feet. He heals your heart. He purifies your mind. He binds up your wounds. He breaks your chains. He delivers you from sin and bondage. He's the savior and redeemer of your life. When you wandered in darkness, it was the light of Jesus that shined on you. I want to remind you of your testimony. Revelation says, how do they overcome? By the blood of Jesus and the power of their testimony. I want to remind you, I want to prick your heart right now because it might be far off in the distance. I want it to come slamming into the presence. When you wandered in darkness, it was the light of Jesus that shined on you. When you were in the pit of despair, it was the mercy of Jesus that drew you out. When you were living in a far country, wasting your inheritance and wild living, it was Jesus who called you home, washed you clean, gave you a robe and a ring and threw a party to celebrate you. When your life was wrecked by addiction, it was Jesus who showed up in power to draw you out of the wreckage and into the freedom of his loving kindness. When the icy water of bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness were flowing in your life, it was his love which warmed, softened, and ultimately transformed you. When you went through catastrophic loss, grief, and trauma, it was Jesus who was with you. He never left you. He didn't forsake you. He was there for every single moment. And it was him who led you gently into a place of wholeness and safety and joy. Friends, it's always Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It will always be Jesus. It is all about him, his wounds, his stripes, his crown of thorns, his pierced hands and feet, his scars, his eternal gaze from the cross, which stretched through eternity and caught you in a moment, his blood, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his gift of the Holy Spirit, his family, the church, his return, his wedding banquet, and his new heavens and new earth. Your whole story can be summed up in three words. You and him. You and him. It's everything. For God so loved the world, he gave you this Jesus. He first loved you so that you could give him first love. That's what he paid for. He paid for first love. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. This Jesus. <laughs> this, this word is stuck in my heart, Acts 2, where Peter goes, this Jesus, the God has made both Lord and Messiah. This Jesus. He gave it all for you. And friends, I just believe it's time for the church to come back and give all to him. He's worth your time, your attention, your money, your sacrifice, your devotion, your vocation, your worship. He's worth what Andy Crouch talked about last week. Heart, mind, soul, strength. All of you, Jesus, is worth it. There's no way that you could meet this Jesus face to face in reality and allow sports or business or family or anything else to keep you from pursuing him with your whole life and heart. Because he's so much better. 
You notice all the people who kind of rejected the kingdom, they were very quick interactions. It's almost like they didn't actually see him. Jesus stands over Jerusalem and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if only you knew this was your hour of visitation. They just didn't see it. We don't want to miss it. Speaking of Andy Crouch, this quote, recognition is the first human quest. After an ordinary delivery, after the first few startled cries, which we just heard a sweet baby, newborn infants typically spend an hour or so in the stage doctors call quiet alert. Though they can only focus their vision roughly 8 or 12 inches away, their eyes are wide open. They're searching with an instinct far deeper than intention. They're looking for a face. And when they find one, especially a face that gazes back at them, they will fix their eyes on it, having found what they were most urgently looking for. Maybe this is why Jesus says to receive the kingdom, you have to be born again. You have to rediscover that your life is in search of a face. And in the same way a mother returns the gaze to a baby, Jesus' gaze is on your life this morning. Before the face of God. Because when we hit our most vulnerable moment, we realize that we aren't looking for a fix. We're actually looking for a face. And I just want to tell you this morning, if your life is a mess, (laughs) like my weekend was, stop looking for a fix and start looking for the face. Because his face will lead you to everything you're looking for. And he never fails. He never fails to get you to the place where you're supposed to be. In times where Christianity is dominant, it feels like the stakes are lower. So settling for knowledge about God or the ritual of religion can carry you for a while. But when the world starts to burn, only the face will do. Face-to-face revelation. This is what you were made for. I want you to stand to your feet. To close your eyes and just maybe if you feel comfortable open your hands mm. you listen to this verse 2 Corinthians 4 6 for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Give. What does God want to give you? He wants to give you the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. He wants to give you his face. So just hands open.
I don't want to settle for glances when you've given me the gaze. You don't glance at us, you gaze on our life. Your face never turns. like one born again into the light of the knowledge of the glory of God which is all contained in a face isn't that amazing God says I have put my light and my glory in the face of a person and you can see him and you can know him and you can live in the confidence and security to say I know God because my life is spent looking Jesus does for us is so counterintuitive. And you're like, what about my sin pattern? What about my addiction? What about my broken marriage? What about, what about, what about? And he would say, all of it, all transformation begins before my face. Just come. So we're just going to worship. I just want a moment. We just want to end church this morning with a moment to remember this offer of revelation, of beholding. Then we're going to move into a time of communion to again to remember the death and sacrifice of Jesus to make us free and whole and to turn us into a family, to take individuals and connect them. But we just want to spend some moments before that saying, Jesus, show us your face. So Jesus, everything about you beautiful even the places Lord that are hard to look at the nails, the scars, the wounds even the Bible says there is nothing about you humanly that made you beautiful and yet we can't look away when we catch a glimpse so Lord we want to turn that into a lifelong pursuit love you, Jesus. We worship you. I thank you that you did draw us out of the pit. You did bring us out of addiction. You did rescue us from wild living. Yeah. So come and remind us of your glory, the glory that you possess before the Father, eternity to eternity. And so we're going to sing these words, Jesus, we're here for you. That's just not in this place right now, in this sanctuary. You were put on this earth for him. To reflect him, to look at him and reflect his beauty, his glory, his goodness. Outward. Yeah. Yeah, so let's sing, Jesus, we're here for you.